Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I want you guys to hear it directly from me. I want to speak directly to you and the city of Houston. I have sat down with the McNair family and I have asked them for my release and we have mutually agreed to part ways at this time. I came here 10 years ago as a kid from Wisconsin who'd never really been to Texas before. And now I can't imagine my life without Texas in it. The way that you guys have treated me, besides draft night, I mean, you guys booed me on draft night. Every day after that, you treated me like family. And I truly feel like you're my family. Since that day, I have tried to do everything in my power to work and earn your respect and try and make you proud on and off the field. You guys have given me everything and more, and I can only hope that you feel like I've given you everything I have. I'm excited and looking forward to a new opportunity, but at the same time, it is it is always tough to move on. I just want you guys to know that I love you. I appreciate you. I appreciate the McNair family for giving me, uh, drafting me and giving me my first opportunity in the NFL. Thank you, Houston. I love you. Well, that is J.J. Watt, the legendary defensive player for the Houston Texans. And now Jacksonville fans and football fans maybe in the AFC South can appreciate, respect, and admire J.J. Watt without their rivalry coming into play. Because this guy is seems like a phenomenal human, but a phenomenal football player, three-time defensive player of the year. I don't remember him getting booed. Austin Lane uh, back in that 2011 draft and it just makes me chuckle a little bit because the Jaguars got Blaine Gabbard in that draft yeah can you imagine what kind of ovation if we could go back to 2011 and the Jaguars would draft J.J. Watt at number 10 instead of or they trade up to get J.J. Watt at number 11 instead of trade up to get Blaine Gabbard at number 10 well, listen, and, and I've been very adamant about this, and let's go ahead and uh, kill two birds with one stone. Now, does J.J. Watt want to come to Jacksonville? Are the Jaguars interested in J.J. Watt? Well, I've shared before on this show where I truly believe that if Joe Cullen had his way back in, you know, the, the 2000, I think it was 2011, it would have been 2012, um, I know pretty much for a fact that J.J. Watt would have been a Jacksonville Jaguar if Joe Cullen had his way. Now, other things transpired, obviously. Um, Blaine Gabbert was indeed the guy. Um, it is what it is. But I, I know that Joe Collin, even back then, and keep in mind, I mean, J.J. Watt was a very, he was a highly coveted player coming out of Wisconsin. But there were still some thoughts like, yes, this guy's a hard worker. He's got the finish. But can he refine his techniques? <clears throat> you know, can he add a skill set um, to his highly high intense motor if you will and obviously he did that i mean he one of the some one of the best defensive tackles of all time one could argue so he obviously did that but i know joe Collin is a big jj watt fan so does it make sense from the jaguars well i think if you can bring in a guy that's got that experience that has that pedigree why wouldn't you but at the same time let's look at this from jj watt's perspective do you really want to come to a team now that for lack of a better word, is going to be playing a 3-4 defense. Do you want to play that 3-4 defensive tackle? Because you're not going to be playing outside linebacker. Do you want to put your hand in the dirt and possibly two-gap for a couple downs and then pin your ears back on third down and get after the quarterback? I don't think J.J. Watt wants to do that. And listen, for all the time, the sacrifice, and the effort that he put in in Houston and he never got to touch a Super Bowl, I think the goal right now for J.J. Watt is to go to a, you know, a front-running team, um, you know, a la like maybe like the Green Bay Packers. He goes back home, Tampa Bay. I think he's going to go to a team where there's a good shot of at least going to the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, this guy's a phenomenal football player, man. I think at times it felt like he beat the Jags single-handedly, how good J.J. Watt was. And, and again, you have you can't bring up J.J. Watt without saying what he meant to that city, especially a few years ago, and what he did and raised money and, and rallied around in, in so many respects, Austin. And I'm not saying it takes a natural disaster to make this happen, but I think what J.J. Watt as a defensive player, albeit, which is a lot harder to do, than if you're a quarterback. But J.J. Watt, what he meant to Houston, what he means to Houston, the city and the organization, I think that's some of the thing that I've been trying to convey that Trevor Lawrence could be to Jacksonville. Like, there are so many people that tell me that Trevor Lawrence is not just going to change the Jaguars organization on the field and with wins and, and everything. He's going to change everything around it, which includes the city. And so that could be what we're getting here in Trevor Lawrence. That's what Houston did get for the last decade in J.J. Watt, and I, his career needs to be appreciated. I, I, will, I think what you brought up is, is fascinating, by the way. The Joe Cullen stuff is fascinating. Does he still feel that way, uh, first of all? I think you're dead on about J.J. Watt. If I'm looking at this from J.J. Watt's perspective, Jacksonville is not really a destination I'm interested in. Uh, Pittsburgh, you can see because his brothers, uh, could you go there? Um, Tampa, <laughs> because... Well, you know who. And keep in mind, a guy like Ndamukong Sue, they're going to lose a little bit off that line. They could lose Barrett as well. I mean, they're going to lose some of that front. So J.J. Watt could go there. I think you're right. I think he's going to try to go to a contender. And, Austin, I, I think what's interesting about that is I believe the Tom Brady influence on the league is Brady now has seven of these dang things. He's got seven world championships. And for guys that have been brilliant in their career, like a J.J. Watt, he's played a decade, he's done everything you can do individually, but he hasn't even sniffed that. I mean, he really hasn't come close to winning a Super Bowl or even being in a Super Bowl. I think now that thirst is as real as it's ever been. And I'm not saying he's the only guy, but I think that's a Brady thing. I think people are now, they respect Brady so much that I think some of these older players, they they are jealous of him. I mean, in, in a good way, but they, are, they envy him so much to be able to do what he wants to do. And all he wants to do is win and chase rings. And I think J.J. wants in that game. No, without a doubt. I mean, listen, J.J. Watt's been around for a while now, since 2011, you know, and he's got a lot of accolades to add um, throughout those seasons. I mean, he's got, I think he was all pro five times. Uh, he had two seasons with 20-plus sacks, you know. I mean, he's a, he's defensive player in the year, for crying out loud. And, you know, he's had his fair share of injuries as well. So this guy has definitely put the time, the effort in, and earned his stripes, you know, and obviously, like, from Houston's perspective, if you're a Texans fan right now, like, you get, like, J.J. Watt. Let's be honest here. J.J. Watt isn't the same guy back in 2012 that got 20 and a half sacks. Okay? I mean, anybody's going to tell you no. that. But he can still contribute. And it's also, obviously, from the leadership standpoint of what he can bring to the table as well. So, I mean, even though maybe from the productivity standpoint, like, Houston's not too worried about it. But to essentially lose your – I mean, you lost two faces of the franchise. You lost DeAndre Hopkins. You've lost J.J. Watt. And we'll see with you know, Deshaun Watson as well what happens. But obviously it's not a good run for Houston right now. And to echo back a little bit towards J.J. Watt and his goals, like, listen, you, you play that long at that high of a level and you never get to play in the biggest game, like – he he deserves it. I mean, listen, and this is me coming from a former Jaguar who hated watching J.J. Watt get after our quarterbacks every single year, 
right? Like, I mean, I respect the heck out of J.J. Watt. He's a Wisconsin guy. He's a Midwest guy. More power to him. But I'm not going to lie. When I played in the league, I wasn't a fan of J.J. Watt. I don't want to see J.J. Watt on TV. But now I have the newfound respect, and I'm going to say this. The guy deserves to play at least in one Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it sometimes just doesn't happen for guys. I mean, that's just the way it is. That's the way professional sports are. And that's why I've never really put this huge, you know, emphasis on winning rings sometimes situational stuff doesn't work out i mean they've been good but not great uh, they haven't been good enough around him he has been great he's a hall of famer i mean there's no doubt about it so jj uh, watt I, I can see why he wants to go chase that super bowl we'll see if he's able to get it you can try to pick your spot it doesn't always work out for you it's not automatic we know that unless maybe you are on brady's team <laughs> and, and it does seem to happen uh, more often than not I want to address this one more from the Jag standpoint, and I want you to tell me if I'm right or wrong. You just said a little bit. He's not the same player as he was in 2012, and I don't want to disrespect J.J. Watt, but I've really felt like this now, coming off those injuries, the set of injuries that he had, and even last year, I'm just not afraid of J.J. Watt anymore, Austin. Like I, 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 He's definitely not that player, but I don't even know how much he's got left in the tank. Like I really feel like this is the downside. I did look at some pro football focus numbers. Depends how much stock you want to put in. I know people <laughs> vary on that. But I think he was like a top 10 defensive lineman, according to some of those numbers. So he might have played better than I even thought. But I, I think Jags fans, if you want this and, you, and you're like, hey, we have the money to go do it, I would say a little buyer beware. I feel like you're buying the name and maybe not as much the game anymore. I, I think J.J. Watt's on the downside, and he can't he can't dominate games like he used to anymore. I mean, listen, to me, he's not going to be that full-time player. But at the same time, you don't need him to be the full-time player. Uh, I kind of look at it with what uh, Baltimore did with Calais Campbell. You know, now Calais Campbell's how old is he? 33. Oh, oh, he's, he's like oh, he's 33. 33. Okay, so J.J. Watt's 31 years old, right? So J.J. Uh, well, Watt's a little younger than Clayus Campbell. Like, listen, Clayus Campbell went to Baltimore. Obviously, Clayus Campbell will be the first one to tell you. He's probably on the back nine of his career. But he can still contribute. He can still get his paws in the air and knock down those batted balls and things like that. And that's the same thing with J.J. Watt. Like, if I was the Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm not going to bring J.J. Watt to get 50 to 60 plays a game. I'm bringing J.J. Watt in on third down. I'm bringing J.J. Watt in on a fourth and one. I'm bringing J.J. Watt in when the game's on the line. That's when you can use J.J. Watt. And especially the way defenses are set up now with they're always rotating. Like, you don't need J.J. Watt to come in and, and you know, give you 60 reps. Hardly anybody does that anymore. He's, I mean, listen, Aaron Donald does that, but that's about it. So I think with what Watt can offer, he still has something left in the tank. I still think he still has a skill set that um, should be utilized. But you're crazy to think if he's going to be an every-down lineman and give you the productivity that he did back, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah, and that's, by the way, that's not just on J.J. Watt. That's father time and that... I mean, even Calais Campbell's not going to give you the production that he probably had even back in 2017 now. I think we all know that. I think what you have to be careful of, this is what I say, from if you're looking at it from an organizational point of view, is you're not going to get that player that everybody thinks he is. And so, therefore, the uh, everybody knows the name. I mean, J.J. Watt's going to be like, oh, my gosh, I got J.J. Watt. Imagine that, right? I even said in a, in a tweet today, when I saw he was released, I was like, wow, J.J. Watt's released. I was like, okay, this really isn't that surprising. We kind of thought that it might head that way. Um, he's at that point of his career where it might not even make sense to be a part of Houston anymore, and it might not make sense for them. So what happens with some of these players, though, I think even Calais is getting like, uh, I want to say it was like a two-year, 
20-something million dollar deal. It was like 50, maybe it was 15 million a year. Uh, that's what he was going to get in Jacksonville. I'll have to look that up. But my feeling is there's a chance you overpay a guy too much in J.J. Watt for the production you're going to get because he's probably still like a 12, 13, 14, 15 million dollar guy, Austin. But if you just put him in the situations you said, I'm not paying a guy that much money to just play on those kind of downs. Well, see, but here's the thing, though. I think if you're Jacksonville, yeah, then you're 14 to $15 million. I think if you're a Super Bowl contender, because let's be honest, how much more money does J.J. Watt really need? Okay, I mean, the, yeah. the, the guy yeah. signed some pretty big contracts. And I think J.J. Watt's main focus right now, like we've talked about, is to win a Super Bowl. So... Sometimes you see these guys who are on the back nine of their careers who, you know, have a couple years, good years left, let's just say. Well, they will take a pay cut because they want to go to a team to win a Super Bowl. I feel like J.J. Watt falls in the ladder. I think that he is willing to take the pay cut if that means that he can play on a contender just because I think a Super Bowl and experience in that moment means that much to him. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you're right. I, I think he'll play for $8 million, you know, or $6 million or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And by the way, he, he probably still demands a, a certain paycheck. He's not like that far on the back nine of his career. I think he does have something left. I just think this is a player, while it sounds like, oh, that'd be pretty cool, it's just not the time or place right now for, for the Jags. I really don't feel that. Like, it's so different. If you go get a guy like J.J. Watt versus a guy like Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams is a huge paycheck guy. but And the Jags aren't ready to win maybe right now like that. But like I compare him to Malik Jackson. You give him the deal now because you feel like you're going to get another two or three years out of him, even after this year, where that money will come in handy. And then you're really ready to win, and he's been a big part of it. So it's just a philosophical look. It doesn't make a lot of sense right now to the Jacksonville Jaguars, in my opinion, on J.J. Watt. I want to talk uh, something else NFL-wise. Here, I'm tired of the Russell Wilson story, Austin. Uh, this is such a stupid story, in my opinion. You can tell me I'm crazy, but Russell Wilson isn't going anywhere. I mean, this is the greatest example of our world today and the impact the media has. One statement or two statements from the Dan Patrick show that you can even tell he was trying to be diplomatic about it. He wasn't trying to raise a stink. And all of a sudden now, everybody's got trade partners and phone calls and the organization being mad at him, and he's mad at the organization. Can we stop on the Russell Wilson stuff, man? He ain't going anywhere. He's going to be in Seattle. I think this stuff is so fabricated on the Russell Wilson front. I might be dead wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. No, I mean, I think it's prefabricated, but let's be honest, though. When the Seahawks announced that they're disappointed in Russell Wilson for what he said, well, then what do you think is going to happen? Right? Because now we have both sides. Did they announce it? Did they they announce it or just say it? Or somebody reported it? Uh, I mean, it wasn't an official. It's not like they went on Twitter and, like, an official statement regarding Russell Wilson were disappointed. I mean, I think they said it to somebody. I mean, I, I can try to look it up real quick here. Um yeah, yeah, I think it was a report, and that but that you just never know with those reports. Like I can say, hey, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence today. I mean, he really missed more throws than you think. Or somebody said this about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I just think it's one of those things, man. I think people are talking because, like I always say, there's really not a whole lot of accountability when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, it says here it's reported that a source told, told, and I'm trying to see who the, um, oh, it is Dan Patrick. 
A source told me that the Seahawks management is not happy with Russell Wilson and his camp for taking this to the media, Dan Patrick said. You you wonder if they're going to be able to coexist. The current situation is not sustainable. That's what I was told. So that this is coming from Dan Patrick's mouth, yeah. who obviously had All Russell right, Wilson well, on. So, I, I mean, once again, I don't know if you buy into that or not. I, I don't know why Dan Patrick would make that up. Um, I'm sure there is some back and forth, but to answer your question, no, I don't see Russell Wilson going anywhere right now. Yeah, I, I listen, and again, that's Pat, Dan Patrick. I probably take a little bit more than a source said um, because he doesn't really throw that stuff out there. Although he's had, he's done that before. He has thrown some stuff out there. I, a source says is just like there's one person in the building that like might be in the the training room uh, that kind of thinks this way. I, I just, I again. The bottom line here is everywhere I turn in the last couple of days, I see the Russell Wilson story. And I just think this this is like the the punctuation of today's media cycle. And by the way, I love the media cycle. Like, I love the fact that we can talk about it. It's great for our stuff. I just think sometimes we have to see through this and, and peel it back. There is He's not going anywhere. It's like, can you name another quarterback – because next week it's going to be the next guy. All of a sudden, Josh Allen is going to. Brent, I mean, it was Aaron Rodgers you know, after the playoffs. It was Aaron Rodgers the night after the playoffs. All right, it was Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and he wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, and you knew it. He but, wasn't going anywhere. But right? people were speculating because Aaron Rodgers said, "We'll see from here next year." I don't know. Like that's all it took for the wildfire to take part, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about where, where's Aaron Rodgers going to go right now. Let's let's predict where he's going to go. Like that's the way the world works. Yeah, well, I get it. I mean, I live it. I yeah. I, I just want everybody to know, <laughs> from my viewpoint, that all this stuff that this is snowballed big this week, kind of like the Rodgers did, the Rodgers situation, and. I think the Rodgers stuff sometimes still gets floated out, even though the organization said, you're crazy, it's not going anywhere. Uh, and even Rodgers has now said, I'm not going anywhere. And it's still, there are stuff, there's stuff out there that gets proposed or, or thrown out there because of this huge quarterback carousel this year. I, I'm just telling you, man, and, and I'm not saying you, you disagree with it, I just think sometimes we've got to be smart about this stuff. It makes zero sense for Russell Wilson not to be a part of Seattle at this stage of his career. And he's going to be in Seattle in the fall and probably for the next few years at the very least. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, playing, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, playing at a very high level, you invested in him. Yeah, it, it would be very, very foolish, regardless of what, how many draft picks you got or whatever the case may be, to trade Russell Wilson away because of a comment that was essentially said on the Dan Patrick show. Yeah, I hear you. Um, we'll see uh, what happens with the Russell Wilson. I... <laughs> I love the quarterback stuff. I'm really just interested to see which one's going to pop next. <laughs> well, I mean, you, the, you've heard of Deshaun Watson rumor, now. You know? Deshaun Watson doesn't want to go to New York, supposedly. Have you seen that one yet today? Well, it, yeah, I saw that, and I also saw Houston double down once again. Cal McNair, when he was talking about the J.J. Uh, Watt situation, said, he's our quarterback. He's our quarterback. Like, they're not giving in to this situation, it doesn't look like, or they're just playing it perfect to drum up the price tag on Deshaun Watson. And I'm not sure where I fall on that one. I do believe Houston's a mess. I believe Watson and his agent want out. And the last time I saw that, 
where the Jags were a mess and Ramsey and that same agent wanted out, they got out. So I I feel differently about Deshaun Watson uh, than I do certainly about uh, Russell Wilson. Hey, Urban Meyer asked Trevor Lawrence essentially to throw. You like that? Back to the Trevor Lawrence part of things. We'll also hear Steve Smith, what he had to say about the future Jaguars quarterback after his pro day. We're live on the road. Hang with us. Don't watch the stream too much. You might get dizzy. The South Carolina roads are terrible, but make sure you listen to us on all the different platforms here at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. I'm not the guy that likes to, like, be overdramatic. Austin Lane. Well, you, you're Live almost by. in tears yesterday. I was. So. Well, that was a little different. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Did you notice Urban Meyer right out there the whole time? Yeah, yeah, I saw him. Um, I saw a lot of the guys coming coming through, but yeah, I saw him. Just waved at him real quick. Obviously, he's not really can't really communicate out here. But yeah, it's been it's been cool to see all the all the teams come out and uh, just just really cool. Like I said, a cool opportunity. It's definitely um, a cool thing to experience. I'm glad I got to to still do it. Obviously. That is Trevor Lawrence on ESPN earlier today. They got to talk to him. Brent Martineau in route back to Jacksonville, South Carolina roads. Kind of slow driving for Marcel Robinson. Really praying that he doesn't get in an accident because I would be one heck of a meme if that happens from the passenger seat. Kind of praying that he does get a uh, speeding ticket because I think that would be kind of hilarious. But uh, that's what's going on right now. As we head back to Jacksonville, Action Sports Jack Studios. That's Austin Lane in Coos Territory. I want you to talk a little bit UFC, by the way, in a bit. We also have some Daytona stuff, but we've been stuck on Trevor Lawrence, and I want to get to that even more in a moment. And I planned on doing that more in a moment. But I just saw this out, Austin. And the Fritz Pollard Alliance, uh, which is, if, if you don't know what it is, it's an organization, essentially, uh, that claims in their mission to champion diversity in the NFL through education and providing its membership with resources that will help them succeed at every level of the game. Well, they just came out, uh, and let me read the statement. They just came out with a statement about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it says this, a failure of leadership by the Jacksonville Jaguars. At a time when the NFL has failed to solve its problem with racial hiring practices, it is simply unacceptable to welcome Chris Doyle into the ranks of NFL coaches. Doyle's departure from the University of Iowa reflected a tenure riddled with poor judgment and mistreatment of black players. His conduct should be as disqualifying for the NFL as it was for University of Iowa. Urban Meyer's statement, quote, I've known Chris for close to 20 years, end quote, reflects the good old boy network. That is precisely the reason there is such a disparity in employment opportunities for black coaches. That's from the Fritz Pollard Alliance moments ago, and the headline is Failure of Leadership by the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. That's a lot to take in. Uh, We talked a lot about this yesterday uh, with Chris Doyle. He is the director of sports performance for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was let go or mutually agreed to part ways with Iowa last summer after 20 years in Kirk Ferentz's program, widely regarded as a very good strength and conditioning coach and performance coach, but the mistreatment of black players to the extent of allegations of racial remarks and bullying uh, 
forced his departure. Urban Meyer, friendly with him, vetted him out, according to Meyer yesterday when he met with the media, but hired him as director of sports performance. As we talk about Trevor Lawrence all day, this was a lucky moment today for Urban Meyer and the Jaguars in a sense that Trevor Lawrence was throwing, and that became the headline and washed away the headline of Doyle. Because Doyle yesterday is something we talked about a lot on our show. But everyone around the country was talking about it. I flipped on a bunch of national shows last night, Austin, and Urban Meyer and the Jaguars were getting hammered to the point of the players should revolt and say, we're not playing for this guy. We're not doing this. That's kind of the table setter. What's your take on what the Fritz Pollard Alliance just said? And... uh, this ongoing controversial hire of Chris Doyle. Yeah, listen, I mean, this kind of reaffirms what I spoke about yesterday to open the show with. Whether And, you know, I think people out there thought that, okay, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the Doyle stuff today, and then it'll go through the news cycle, and then we'll forget all about it. You know, and it'll just be the next big thing. Now it's Trevor Lawrence Pro Day, and it is what it is. But I think what you're starting to see now is, and this has been kind of the trend in the in this country the, the, the past couple of years, is when you have something with racial bullying or racial injustice, it just doesn't go away. It's not a 24-hour news cycle, especially with social media. And this is an example of that right here. So I'm not surprised that came out. I'm not surprised people are still talking about it on the national level um, because it is that big of a deal. Okay, now, despite what you think about it, if you know if, if he was ever found guilty or not, or despite what, how you feel um, about us talking about it too much, that's fine. But I can't stress this thing enough, that there had to be some kind of foresight when you chose to bring him on. Okay? And once again, whether he is guilty or innocent, you had to know this was going to come. And once again, we're sitting here on a day where Trevor Lawrence did his thing, and and, and we're excited about that. But a little part of you is like, oh, well, we still got to talk about this Doyle stuff. And that's just the way it's going to be. And I feel like it's going to be like that way for a while because there are some passionate individuals out there, and I'll be one of them, that speak against stuff like this, that disagree with stuff like this, and are going to make their voices heard regarding things like this. Yeah, and listen, uh, I know you're not specifically talking to me. You're just saying in the masses out there. But Oh, no, of course, I, man. Yeah. I, I will say this, and I told you this yesterday. And, and No, uh, and I, well, I just know this, and because I have said this, and I believe this. And whether it's right or wrong, I do believe this. I, the Fritz Pollard Alliance did a good job on their part of keeping this now back into the spotlight. But the Trevor Lawrence stuff did wash this, that talk away nationally. You know, uh, we were going to bring it up again on our show. We had it planned to do. But I just think nationally, those headline kind of things, the national cycle does move on to the next thing, especially when it pertains to the Jacksonville Jaguars. But this keeps it in the cycle a little bit more. We'll see how long it stays in the cycle. Uh, The bottom line is I'm not sure that's even of, of, of utmost importance. I think it gets back to Urban Meyer. I think it gets back to Shad Khan even. Shad Khan, a minority owner. Should he have allowed Urban Meyer to do this? He obviously is trusting Urban Meyer to uh, run his organization right now. And he has to sign off on these things. And he trusts Urban Meyer vetted this guy and it won't be a negative impact. 
Well, I'd be a little bit surprised if the Jags brass isn't surprised at how the much negative impact the Doyle hire is. I, I can't imagine they planned for this. And so I almost wonder, Austin, if they now regret it. Is 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 Urban Meyer, is there a chance that he regrets this hire and does a 180 on this hire? Does he stick with Doyle? This loyalty to a to a friend and, and a guy that he's known for 20 years, even if he is very good at his job? Do you see him circling back and potentially have to make a U-turn on his decision to hire Chris Doyle? Because we haven't even got to the players' part. Now, Chris Conley did come out on, on social media, and he, he said a couple of things. Uh, nothing crazy, but he said a couple of things. And I, I think would have strong words about this. I think other players are going to have strong words about this. Uh, this is not being widely accepted, and I wonder if that could potentially force the hand of Urban Meyer, Shad Khan, the Jacksonville Jaguars, to uh, do a U-turn on it. I mean, maybe Shad Khan would want to. I think Urban Meyer has kind of entrenched himself now. He's definitely doing things his way. You saw that today when he stood on the field and stood next to Dabble Sweeney when Trevor Lawrence was throwing. We've never really seen a coach do that before. So this is the Urban Meyer show. And I think that whatever happens with this franchise, it you know, it, it's going to be the Urban Meyer way. So I don't think that Chris Doyle is going to be released due to the blowback. But I also do think, like, and I get what you're saying. Today was Trevor Lawrence. He was trending all over Twitter and things like that. But we got to understand from a national level, though. Like, for instance, let's take Adam Schefter, for example. I think when Adam Schefter tweets something, uh, people comment. You know, he's I think he's one of the biggest influencers um, in the National Football League. Now, Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm biased, but the guy's got 8.1 million followers. I'm looking back in Adam Schefter's timeline right now. He hasn't talked about Trevor Lawrence once in the past three days. He's talked about Urban Meyer bringing on Doyle twice. And then he retweeted, obviously, the statement um, that that was just brought out. And that's Adam Schefter. So take that for how you want. You know, I mean, obviously there's other things in his timeline. But it shows to you that this is this is a big deal. People are going to talk about this. This is polarizing. And let's be honest, it's polarizing from the national level um, for a bad way with the, the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. Hey, do you think players, and, and by the way, Trevor Lawrence is a guy that was outspoken this past summer. Uh, Black Lives Matter movement, also uh, COVID-19, let us play movement, I think is what it was called, or, or we want to play. Uh, even a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to put this on him, okay, but I'm just saying players in general, and this guy's got a big voice and a big platform, and, and he's going to be a, a, a loud part of that organization, uh, even if he might not yell it, he's going to naturally be it. But do you think players, once they get in the building, some of the pushback that they get, now that this discussion is out there and more people are talking and they're talking, could potentially go into Urban Meyer's office and say, I don't like this. Now, I said to, to Marcel yesterday, I said, it's kind of a tough situation for some of the Jags to do that. Who's going to do that? Like, which players are going to do that? They're all so young, right? I mean, you got a new regime coming in, Austin, and you know this, you live this. This is their livelihood. Who's going to have the courage, the guts, to, be, to say, even if they don't agree, to go up to Urban Meyer or Shad Khan and say, what are we doing here? Uh, do you anticipate anybody will? Could that happen, and who would it be? This is it, this is a very hard situation to be in. And, and to me, this is the first mistake. Urban Meyer brought Chris Doyle on 
without talking to the team. Obviously, because Urban Meyer is the first-year coach, they haven't met as a team yet, so it's hard to get the vibe of a locker room and get the climate of a locker room because Urban Meyer has yet to meet with all those guys. Now, maybe he's talked to a player here or there, but he hasn't met with the team collectively. So he doesn't know what the team's thinking right now. So this hire, you know, it was made in his eyes for the benefit of the team. But Urban Meyer doesn't know the team that he's dealing with right now. From the player's perspective, though, it's a rough situation to be in because you're already on thin ice. You're already coming off a season where you won one game. And you have an entire new regime coming in. And I've said before many times on this show what the turnover is like when that situation happens. I've, I've echoed it many times. I mean, the only guy left on that team, and we'll see if he even gets re-signed, is Avery Jones back when I played with Gus Bradley. That's the only guy that's left. So the turnover is going to be a real thing. And one could think that if players come forward and say, hey, Urban, I, I, got, a, I got a problem with this. Well, now what is that showing? You don't trust the head coach. And if that's on his radar, I'll tell you right now, that's not going to do you any kind of favors of trying to make the team going forward. So it's definitely a slippery slope how you want to handle this whole thing. Now, if the team comes together collectively and they, they have a sit-down discussion about that, so be it. But I have a hard time picturing and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the, the NFL locker room has changed so much since I played back in 2014. Maybe it's different now. But I have a hard time believing that, you know, some players, especially players that are on the depth chart just trying to make the team, are going to come out and say, we got a problem with this. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think, listen, I, I saw heard some shows, I think it was uh, Chris Broussard and Rob Parker saying they were really adamant about it. Like, players have to step up here. Well, I even wonder about coaches. Like, what does Charlie Strong think of this, Austin? You know, what do some of the coaches think about this? And, I mean, that's something that, that Urban Meyer has to navigate. But I just don't know if the players... I just don't know if there's anybody proven enough, veteran enough, to be able to have that voice and do that. Maybe there is, and maybe there will be, and and maybe that forces change. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but this is something that's really interesting to keep an eye on. And I just can't get over. I get I get the loyalty part. Uh, I I don't know if it's good old boy network as much as loyalty. I think. If you had a buddy and you really thought he was very good at something and he screwed up something and whatever it might be, I'm not going to put it in this category. I think you, as your friend maybe, and you know his skill set, might be willing to give a second chance. But as you look at this situation, how can you be Urban Meyer and say, I think this is a good idea and this what's going on right now to bring this into our locker room, our building, as we're trying to get better and change this building? I just don't know how that added up for urban meyer to say yeah i think we can do this i just but, don't know if he he thought they'd get, have this kind of blowback listen i've said this before every decision that urban meyer's made i put my trust in urban meyer because that's what you should do he has the keys to the car you should trust urban meyer but on this situation right here i'll be honest i don't trust urban meyer and, and that's just my opinion because at the end of the day you're bringing this guy in to help your team and give your team the best but you don't know what your team is you don't know who your team is. You, you don't know what your team is thinking. And I would have much rather see this hiring maybe like a, a season in just so Urban American can kind of get the climate of the locker room a little bit because he's walking into a situation where he has no idea what he's getting into in terms of personalities and in terms of what these players think. Simple as that. Yeah, I think it's dangerous. It, it's Yeah, it's it's definitely risky. And I'll add this. 14 months ago, Shotcon fired Tom Coughlin because of an embarrassment of – problems with the NFLPA. Well, 14 months later, hires Urban Meyer, and I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, 
But the Jaguars are being talked about in not a great light with the hiring of Chris Doyle. That's a fact. Right now, it's happening the last couple of days, and that's on Urban Meyer's watch. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from Jacksonville to somewhere in South Carolina. We're on the road on ESPN 690. This is the most disappointing thing I've seen all week. Everyone is redeemable, Key, as long as they bring value add to my football program from a winning standpoint. That's the that's the mindset of Urban Meyer. I don't even think Urban Meyer thought there was anything that he handled that wrong at the end of the day with that. That was what made it so problematic. Here's what I will tell you, that I, I know people make decisions like this sometimes in business because it's about the bottom line and it's about winning games. Let you say something like that to me. Well, that, that, what did the five fingers say to the face, Key? It said, slap. I'm going to slap the hell out of you. Like, we're gonna, it's going to end up being, it's going to be a way bigger deal if, if he slips up and there'll be a bigger indictment on Urban Meyer. That is Jay Williams along with Zubin and Keyshawn in the morning here on ESPN 690 and all over the country, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. And listen, there are some strong comments around the country on the hiring of Chris Doyle. Again, I, I can't, if you bring in Antonio Brown, if you bring in somebody like that with with baggage, right, that people talk about, they don't, uh, I'm trying to think, like a Kareem Hunt situation, okay? Uh, Cleveland did that. Uh, maybe it's Tyreek Hill you stand by if you're Kansas City. If you bring in those situations, there certainly can be criticized and we can debate them. But part of the reason that I think you bring that in is because you think that makes you way better and you can handle it. As Austin always says, the talent outweighs the distraction. What's I, I just don't understand how talent in this instance of Chris Doyle can be that much greater than another director of sports performance. And so bringing this situation in where nobody forced this on you, you kind of brought it on yourself, is an interesting move for Urban Meyer at the outset of his tenure here in Jacksonville, Austin. Without a doubt. And once again, without the risk of repeating myself too much, the fact that you know, you didn't really wait and see what you got in the locker room. Because, listen, I have no idea how the locker room is going to respond, okay? I'll be honest. From what I know about locker rooms, I would assume that some guys are going to have an issue with it. Just like some people in social media have an issue with it, right? That's what yeah. I think. Now, we'll see when everybody meets and all that stuff and, and how it's handled. But that's how I think it's going to go. I think it would have been a better situation to wait a little bit, all right, to – to at least get the climate, see what everything, how the NFL is, and then bring him on if you truly must have him. And and to echo your point a little bit as well, this isn't a defensive coach. It's not an offensive coach. This is a guy in strength performance. Now, he is highly touted, and, and I'm sure his methods are the best in the world. And what it comes down to for me, and we kind of heard Urban Meyer echo this a little bit, during the press conference yesterday, like, yes, the Jaguars had a lot of injuries last year, right? And, and that was brought up. Well, I can sit here and say, well, I think there are a lot of injuries around the entire NFL because, well, they were, you know, they're on lockdown for a little bit. It wasn't a traditional season. Um, maybe some guys weren't doing their due diligence in terms of prepping their bodies. Maybe it was hard to go to the gym for a little while because we're quarantining. So you can kind of sway it to however you want to sway it in terms of the numbers and everything. But I just think that, you know, Urban Meyer probably should have waited. But like I just said, 
Urban Meyer is going to do this thing the own way. And I don't think he really cares what anybody thinks about it. And you know what? More power to you, I guess. I just hope that you don't lose a locker room because you didn't gauge the climate when you first got there. Yeah, um, Urban Meyer makes that move, and we'll see. I mean, again, it's one thing to talk about it now. The other reality of it is, is Chris Doyle now has a responsibility to make sure that he reaches out, right? You talk about communication. He reaches out to players. He says who I am, really. I'm not that guy. Or And, and by the way, that's not just words. That's actions, and time will tell on that. I hate that phrase, but that's true in this case. And so we'll see what happens if this remains to be the case. I, I do think, and I don't think this takes away necessarily, Austin, from the conversation and the debate and even the criticism. But I do think the national guys, as I listen to them, and I said this to Marcel, I do think they feel like this guy's the strength and conditioning coach. And that is not the case. The strength and conditioning coach, and you tell me if I'm right or wrong, you have a lot of hands-on work with the strength and conditioning coach. That's Schlegel. He's going to be that guy. This guy is going to be the director of sports performance in an office. I'm not saying he's never going to see the players, but I just don't think the day-to-day is hands-on with the players. I don't know see. if that changes anything. I'm just telling you, I think the role is being misinterpreted because I keep hearing national guys no, sure. talk about strength and conditioning. No, and that's fine. And, yeah, they're obviously they're wrong from that standpoint. But And, Liz, I mean, I don't know the, exactly what the title is going to entail, but I can tell you this much. If you're a director of sports performance, well, the performance is the data that you that you gather. And in order to gather data, you got to talk to the athletes. You have to see where they are. You have to see how they feel. They have to see how they feel about this, how you feel about that. Not only from a mental standpoint, but also a physical standpoint. So to answer the question, I think actually he will be dealing with athletes a lot because that's kind of what his job entails of collecting the data. And the only way to collect data is talk to people. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, we'll yeah, and I, I don't know. I, that's why I asked you. Yeah. Um, we'll see if that's the case. I do, I, I just, there is a little bit of a difference in his job and the way it's being perceived, at least in my opinion. Again, Herbert Meyer has so many titles and so many coaches, it's hard to really know yeah, <laughs> what everybody's sure. assignment is going to be. Hey, a quick shout out to Aussie Jag listening from Australia. Says he just woke up, I think. Oi, oi, watch it. oi. It, Instead of watching the Australian Open, he's checking in with us on Trevor Pro Day. We talk more about Trevor Lawrence. We'll hear from Steve Smith and the Urban Meyer influence on this Pro Day. It's coming up next from the road, literally, in South Carolina. Can you move out of the way, traffic? I want to get home. We'll be back on ESPN 690.